Shoe store Karen demands we accept dirty shoes. Gets denied by three managers. Long story, but I felt like sharing. I currently work in a shoe department area. This all started with this guy wanting to purchase shoes that I clearly remember just putting out for display. Brand new. I looked down at the shoes and asked him if he was sure he wanted those exact ones because they looked a bit tight on him. I can tell he thought about it for a second before Mother Dearest said something along the lines of, They're fine. If you like them, go ahead and just get them. They're your usual size, so it doesn't matter. You just buy them. I think they're perfect for you. So of course the guy listened to her and decided he wanted to take them anyways and wear them out. I asked him again, warning him that if he wears them out and damages them, there's no returning them. This time he didn't even think, he just looked at his mom and said it was okay. Alright, whatever. I ring him up and they leave. Skip two days later and the same guy comes in wanting to return the shoes that he just bought because they didn't fit him from one side. When I open the box and take a look at them, they were used, like really used. I looked at him and he immediately began claiming that they had been sold to him like that and the reason why they were messed up is because they were on display not because he used them. The look on his face when I told him I was the one that sold him these shoes was kind of hilarious. I guess he thought I was another employee and I would just fall for this. Of course, I refused due to it being company policy that we never sell messed up shoes and Mother Karen wasn't happy. All I could do was offer to stretch them a bit, but Mother K refused calling them defective because her son was the same size in other brands of shoes, yet those didn't fit and were very uncomfortable. It wouldn't have been a problem to return or exchange them if he hadn't brought them back as if he had just walked a mountain trail. So of course Karen starts making a scene and not allowing anybody to speak, demanding I give her son, the one who she convinced to take the shoes in the first place, back his money. Nope, I say again. So she asked to speak with the manager. I called for one and when manager number one came, she tried to explain to Karen that we couldn't take back the shoes in that state and also offered the stretching. Now she was yelling and arguing with manager number one for almost 10 minutes, then demanding to speak with someone else who would actually help her. Manager number two is then called and number one leaves too early. Mother Karen turns to me and my coworker yelling at us, calling us names, so we just turn our backs to her like we're instructed to do while waiting for a manager. She begins to forcibly poke my coworker, trying to turn her around before said coworker leaves to help someone else. Unfortunately for me, Mother Karen became worse, getting in my face and getting even closer whenever I would back up. She started yelling and calling me rude, saying that I would do the same if it were my money and how she returns used shoes all the time in all stores, including this one. All while her son sat there waiting and the father scrolling through his phone acting as if nothing was going on. About five minutes passed and manager number two came and with no surprise told the woman the exact same thing. But this time around, Mother Karen agrees to leave the shoes to stretch before peacefully leaving. I honestly don't know what number two told her to get her to calm down. My guess is that she may have implied that we would accept the return when we weren't listening. Skip to another two or three days and the guy comes back to pick up and try on the shoes. The first thing he does after sitting down is call Mother K, who tells him to speak with another manager, number three who at the end tells him that we can't give him his money back and all we can do is simply stretch them out a bit more. And that there was no arguing with her because she herself was the actual shoe area manager. He grabs his shoes, says thanks, but there was no need because he could do it himself at home. He walks out the doors and has never been seen again. Boy, I hope they never come back. So I'm not gonna lie, my mom had a little Karen in her when I was younger. 
I have vivid memories of her asking for a manager and me being very embarrassed. I remember calling her out on this one time and saying, why do you have to be like that, mom? And she hit me with something along the lines of you can't let people take advantage of you. So I don't know if something actually happened that day because my mom isn't the type of person to try and get stuff for free or if she just had a Karen face. Who knows, but I think we can all agree that retail Karens are pretty terrible. I need to take my days off, if you say so. Have I mentioned how much I hate shore posting? For those that haven't seen my previous malicious compliance, I will create a brief background. During my time in the Navy, I was posted to a shore-based workshop with more people than it needed. Micromanagement ensues. So on this given day in the workshop at the morning muster, the chief announces, anyone with more than 30 days annual leave needs to start taking leave to get their leave balance down. Me with 75 days at the time, why? It's a directive from the chief of Navy. So me being me, I go and look up the books, specifically the pay and conditions manual, aka Pac-Man. Fast forward three days, I get called into the chief's office. Why haven't you put in for leave? I don't want to. Didn't you hear me say it was a directive from the chief of Navy? Yes, but that directive isn't lawful. You could see the chief's blood pressure visibly rising at this point. What the heck do you mean? In accordance with Pac-Man, I quoted the specific reference, I cannot be compelled to take annual leave, which was followed by him telling me to get out. To be honest, by this stage, I was just seeing how many buttons I could push. In that workshop, we had to make our own entertainment. Two hours later, I was called up to my divisional officer, DO. The conversation was more or less carbon copy of the conversation I just had with my chief. Perhaps a little less four-letter Anglo-Saxon verbiage? For the next week, I didn't hear a peep, but I knew this wasn't over. I have planned the next few things I can do and will do depending on how my chain of command proceeds. The next week, one of my petty officers, being from New Zealand originally, we naturally called him Kiwi, came back from leave. We had worked together a few times and had a good rapport as a result. So my chief sent him to try and thwart my evil plans. Philly Grease Daddy, we need a chat. Hey Kiwi, they sending in the big guns to beat me down now, huh? So you know what this is about? Yep. Do you realize they're talking about charging you? What's the charge? Failure to comply with a lawful general order. The order isn't lawful. The charge wouldn't stick. Even if it did, what would the punishment be? Stoppage of leave? You were just doing this to cause problems, aren't you? No, I genuinely don't want to take leave. I can't really afford to go anywhere, so I'd just be spending a week sitting on my butt bored as hell. I can do that here and not lose any of my accrued leave. Okay, you don't have to take all of your leave at once, just start taking some. It could take the heat off the entire chain of command, and those above might be less inclined to launch you into space without the benefit of a spacesuit. Okay, Kiwi, I'll think about it. I had actually thought about it. When posted ashore, we accure approximately 0.8 days of annual leave per fortnight, which works out to be a bit over 1.6 days a month. So a few days later, I put in a leave request through the online system for the first Monday of the next month. My leave dates were Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So A, it looks like I am taking three days, but I'm only taking one, and B, so I couldn't get roasted for duty on that weekend. Leave approved, I enjoy my three-day weekend. The next month, the same thing. The sharper ones in the crowd see what's happening. My leave balance is still going up, not down, just slower than it was before. After about three months, I get asked why I'm not putting anything in the reason for leave section of the online forum. I point to the line on the forum that says quite clearly that the reasons don't need to be provided for annual leave requests. Please just put something in that space. So the next month, reason for leave, mental health day. Two months after that, then, 
please don't put that. The next month, reason for leave, they are making me do this, I don't want to. That made them angry. The ear blistering I got for that one is definitely not PG, but the point was made on both sides. From then on, my one day off a month was leave management. They were so happy when I got a C posting later that year. I still wonder if they ever realized that I wasn't actually getting my leave balance down. What did I do with my Mondays off? Day drinking. I actually found a venue near the biggest market in the state that had spicy waitresses from 9 a.m. to noon on Mondays. Plus, a few other places had the similar service over lunch and early afternoon. Good times. I've never understood people that don't use their vacation days. I loved using my days, even if it meant me just going home and chilling. I guess everyone is just built different, but any day away from work is a good day in my opinion. But also, I am similar to the OP because I often did things to annoy my bosses when they were trying to install stupid ideas that didn't make sense. At one point, our supervisors told us that we needed to start handwriting titles for each section we printed out on the papers. But that title was already clearly printed on the pages, so it was just double work. So I started writing the title as big as I could in the emptied white space. It was pretty petty, but so is forcing people to do nonsense work. You need me to file safety reports? You got it. As a bit of context to understand the story, I work at a big box retail store. Over the past few months, they've decided to weigh a heavier emphasis on store safety, where to find safety tips, how to do things safely, and also how to file safety reports. There's two people on the security and safety team. It was around last month that they really started cracking down on making sure that everyone in the entire store knew how to file safety reports. And the safety guy would spend a decent amount of time going around the store and quizzing people on how to file them and also how how other safety related things go. And as a side note, that will become important later. I am pretty good friends with him. Once I was taught how to do it, my non-malicious compliance began. Normally, working in retail, you do your job perfectly and there's no real need to file any sort of safety report because nothing bad happened. But with my special case, I like to put it as most others can do their jobs perfectly and be safe. But as a cart attendant, I can do my job perfectly and still get run over by a truck. Anyone who has ever worked in retail can confirm how stupid customers can be at times. Now, when you put them behind the wheel of a multi-ton vehicle, things can get very dangerous very quickly if you don't keep your guard up. And so, the safety reports began to pile up from me. Typically, it was about two per week. Most of the reports came from having to make a turn or cross through an intersection in the parking lot. I would be stopped waiting for a safe opportunity to continue, a vehicle would come to a stop, I would begin to continue moving carts, and then the car would suddenly start moving and narrowly avoid avoid hitting me or my row of carts. And so I would just file those near missed accidents. I never really thought much of it. That is until we had a safety huddle for the entire store. The team leader had announced that their quota for safety reports for the whole store was one or two a week. For me, it hit that in the past two weeks for the safety reports, and that's only the ones I made, not accounting for the other employees who were also filing. I was effectively giving the store its quota that it needed. I just thought it was funny and later on that day told the safety guy about it. In our conversation, conversation, he told me that I was actually filing so many safety reports that the head of the store actually got mad at him because I was filing so many of them. As he put it, they told me to teach you guys how to file safety reports, and here you are filing legitimate safety reports. I don't know why they're mad. As we later put it, management doesn't quite recognize how dangerous it can be in a parking lot. By this time, I had turned in my two weeks notice for separate reasons, but he gave me a new drive. Just the knowledge that I was effectively taking blows at upper management by just doing exactly what they wanted me to do was enough for me to switch from normal compliance to malicious compliance. Because the parking lot is practically my domain, near 
nearly missed accidents are abound for me. In the time since then, I still made about three or four safety filings. Today was my third to last day that I am scheduled to work at the store. Typical idiot drivers were abound, and I wind up making a safety report an hour into my shift. Other than the fact that maybe some management is infuriated that I'm doing exactly what I should. Again, later on, I noticed the head of security and safety had left their office and was coming in my general direction. Because I was right next to the registers at the time, I thought that something else was going on. Just gave me the typical greeting, but I was surprised when they came towards me and stopped. He said to me, hey, if you ever have any more safety filings that deal with vehicles, just come to me or safety guy and report it directly to us. As soon as he left, I felt a sense of victory. My compliance in both malicious and non-malicious forms was too much for management and they finally buckled under the weight of my safety reports filing. I was almost laughing at the thought. I told a few co-workers about it and all of them agreed with me that it was hilarious. The guy with the most dangerous job just got asked to stop making safety reports on the most dangerous aspect of their job because they were filing so many. As I said before, I already have my two weeks in and I only have two more working days to go. So I don't really care that this feels unusual and not right. I'm just happy to move on to a new job. And in case anyone is wondering, yes, I did have to go to the head of safety and security during my shift today because someone almost hit the cart push later in my shift. Edit one. Looks like the reason they don't want me filing is because I filed 10 reports that had to deal with vehicles in a month and the most they can do is tell me to slow down and pay attention. If you've never worked pushing carts before, you might not know how terrible a parking lot can be. I used to do this in my teen years and man, I had cars almost hit me, people complain about carts hitting their cars and sketchy people asking you random questions. But my worst experience was army recruiters. This one time, an army recruiter pulled up to me while I was pushing carts and said, hey man, you ever think about joining the army? To which I replied, nope, it's not my thing, man. Army has nothing that interests me. I don't think he liked that response, so he said, you don't want to fight for your country? Nope. At this point, he points to the passenger in his car, who was a woman in uniform, and says, so you rather have this woman fight the battle for you? To which I responded, it was her decision to join the army. This didn't sit well with the recruiter, and he said, well, I think that's a female dog type of move. I just looked at him and told him to F off, and he just drove away. To this day, recruiters still annoy me. Good luck when you end up costing the organization serious revenue loss. I need a vacation. I'm a young brown woman in a company that's mostly older white men. Honestly, it's usually not that big of a deal because we work remote and I usually work with the same group of people. They know me and respect me now that I've earned it. I also work as a cross-functional role where I lead company strategies specific to the initiatives that reach across the org. And of course, I deal with a lot of people ignoring me and confirming everything I say with my white male boss. My boss is pretty great. He will direct them right back to me and more than likely ignore them until they just come to me on their own. This time I was working with individuals who were leading another team who, if it matters, is definitely much more operational resource than myself. He and his team were already assigned by their manager, who also openly questions my age and experience constantly as a joke, to be my resources for the business critical project. However, either willfully or otherwise, are incapable of the smallest tasks and do it carelessly or break our workflows. They won't even Google slash stack exchange to find the right answer and honestly it blows my mind. I've decided it's better to just do it for them and not take credit because otherwise it would be weeks off track and still incomplete. Every week they have questions that the team lead sends in an email to my boss with me copied that I will answer because it's my freaking initiative. Because it's my freaking initiative. 
And mind you, I was hired for this role because I'm considered a thought leader in my field. And my boss does not have a clue to be able to answer it even if he wanted to, nor does he care. They will ignore me and do what they want anyways, which I will spend many nights fixing on top of my already 10 hour days. One day I got frustrated and asked, without anyone else on copy, why I was answering if they weren't going to even acknowledge it or change what they were doing. And he says to me with his manager on copy, because these questions aren't for you. These are strategy decisions that I need confirmation from insert my manager's name here. So I said, okay, I brought up the situation with my manager who said, okay, we have to be careful with these fragile egos as they were in the org for many years and probably didn't enjoy the direction from someone younger and new. He said that you've done your job, let them do theirs now. So I did, I stopped. I stopped answering questions not directed at me, stopped doing their work for them and started sending more detailed do's and don'ts to the team. I had my PM, a wonderful woman who was also being ignored, send weekly executive project updates to their manager as well as mine, etc. This report includes cost, impact, and risk. This was about three months back. Unbeknownst to the aforementioned team, I had already succeeded as far as my role was concerned. I presented my strategy along with expectations and assumptions, aka the do's and don'ts. I continued to share with the team and they continued to ignore at the end of the first phase of this work. This was almost about three months ago, coincidentally when I stopped fixing their mistakes and answering the questions not meant for me. Also, I raised concerns with their manager who ignored them with my manager on copy, who also ignored them, but he tends to do that. The only response I got was a joke from the team's manager saying, I need a vacation. Cut to last week, a critical milestone for the project, the exact week I decided to take my PTO, because he's right, I do need a vacation. And just as I had said it would at this milestone, the entire project came crashing down. The data backups were of course not even saved appropriately, so we couldn't even recover that quickly. I, of course, did keep backups without letting the team know because I'm that petty. The biggest mistake you can make in an org like mine is to disrupt the business continuity and let's just say business was seriously discontinued. As I said, it would be to anyone who would listen because business continuity disruptions mean big losses. So anyway, I get a series of calls during my week off from my boss and I didn't even have to explain the situation to him because he was on copy for most of this. I had done everything, including save the day with my backup data backup in case they screwed up. I got showered with praise from my superiors and I took the opportunity to pitch my boss a new initiative to lead and of course it was a hit as he was riding a wave of commendations for his department crushing it. I have relatively no clue what happened to the team that was working with me though. Guaranteed not much in the way of actual consequences but you know they were under fire and will be for a long time. Edit 1. Wow, thanks guys. Your comments and messages were so nice to read. I'm a bit overwhelmed with responding to all of them, though here are a few things that I do want to respond to. I didn't bring race, gender, age into it. It was brought in and clearly not by me. Why would I when it puts me at a significant disadvantage? For the record, I do think I'm a good manager, colleague, and worker. My team and colleagues like me because I'm willing to get in there and work on what needs to be done rather than get on a series of calls to decide what needs to be done and wait for someone else to do it. And my managers like me because I'm honest, realistic, and tell it like it is. The reason this particular team did not want to work or listen to me is because they questioned my qualifications to be giving directions, which, mind you, is my role. 
but it certainly couldn't be because of my qualifications because as I mentioned before I had to prove myself in the industry to get where I am in the company to begin with. There really shouldn't be a question of whether I'm qualified at this point. So if my qualms are in control, what are the variables? The next thing is the thought leader bit. No, I do not speak to my coworkers about it or brag about my thought leadership, but I probably should have been more open about it. I worked hard to get published and speak at conferences. It's what got me this job. I made a lot of sacrifices and pushed myself way out of my comfort zone to make it happen. Regardless, I didn't mention it here to brag, but to demonstrate that I am, in fact, recognized by the industry at large to make these sort of strategic decisions, which was called into question. Why should I hide that? Humility? That's a strange concept when we're literally talking about my qualifications. As someone who has been in a lead position before and has had to deal with people that wouldn't pull their own weight or listen to orders, sometimes the best thing you can do is let them crash and burn. I let this happen one time when my co-lead was falsifying data in our industry, which is extremely bad to do. I got a phone call on my day off that he had got caught, and I never saw him again after that. That's it for today's video. If you want to make sure you don't miss out on any content, hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit that bell to turn on notifications. If you want to finish listening to all those stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you're someone who live streams and needs copyright free music, check out the Cream of the Crop music by searching Cream of the Stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you choose. Remember, it's free.